Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Okay. All right. Uh, guilty on all charges, as I thought would happen. Now the work begins. Now the real work begins. Um, you hear the cheering outside the courthouse. People are elated. Um, I'm emotional uh, in a different way. Because it took the kitchen sink, as, as Don Calloway, as we were talking about, it took the whole entire kitchen sink, a video, nine minutes and 29 minutes. It took a eight-year-old, a 17-year-old, a, a firefighter, MT worker. It took the police chief of Minneapolis. It took several other police officers. It took a pulmonologist. It took a cardiologist. It took all of these medical professionals. It took everything and the ancestors themselves to come down. And the whole entire world, actually, because this tri- this is the case that made Germany. Germany and Africa and Great Britain and Australia, New Zealand, places all over the world, far, far, far reaches, get to the streets and protest of something so heinous and ugly. Anything other than a guilty verdict, anything other than a guilty verdict and that that flag in which is flown in this country, the very oath uh, upon which many of us uh, you know, pledge allegiance to would be meaningless. This country would no longer exist. I believe that. If there was a not guilty on any of these charges, to be honest with you, all charges, uh, the first, second degree uh, carries a 40 year sentence. Second, the third degree carries a 25 year sentence. The manslaughter carries a 10. Uh, The judge should run them. Was it concurrently? Yes. Is that is that what Don Don, the lawyer, the consecutively or concurrently? consecutively is back to back concurrently is together. He probably would have got concurrently, but excuse me, he probably will get concurrently, but uh, TBD, we don't know. Um, You know, and if you give somebody a long enough sentence, uh, then it can all be concurrent. You know, if, if, if he gets the 25 plus years, he deserves the 45, 40, 40 is second degree comes with 40. Yeah. If he gets the full 40 years, then, uh, then it will be fine if they're not consecutive because, you know, uh, I guess theoretically that would be 120. Altogether. Well, I mean, the rapist and um, I forgot who uh, what what state that was. The man that raped like 16 plus women. He got 100 and plus years. Oh, no uh, yeah. Well, so I think I think Holtzclaw, there's, there's, Daniel there's Holtzclaw. No, there's no doubt that there's precedent for the consecutive sentences. And that happens on occasion. Um, it all depends on this judge's view of, you know, criminal sentencing, which we don't know. But I think the point is that if he gets the max, which he should, on a consecutive, excuse me, on a concurrent sentence, that should be enough. That should be his natural. No, life. It should not be enough. I mean, people live a long time. Bernie Madoff got a hundred and something years. You know, I, I think I think it sends a message to run these, run these all one after the other. Run them, still run them back. Run them, run them back to back to back. Yes. Uh, and I think it sends a message clearly uh, and, I, and, and it will show about this judge. It'll show where this judge is sitting because, you know, yeah. the the case and we talk with Angie Porter, who is uh, in Minnesota right now, the the uh, University of Minnesota law professor uh, who is right now on public radio there because she had a commitment to to be there with with the people in Minneapolis in in this space to have this discussion today. And I honor that. Uh, we talked about what that actually means, you know, to 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 sit in this space right now and eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. I'm gonna back up. You know, I'm I I the measure in which we have to really approach this 
Don and Drew, um, to be to be gleeful. Again, it took them making him to be a bad apple, which was the, the defense at the end. This is not an indictment of policing. This is not an indictment of police. This is one person. This is one bad apple. Just a, This is one person that did this bad thing. This is not, they're good police. The police are good. That was the closing argument, right? That the prosecution laid forth. And I thought, you know, at the time, that was the only way they could win this, which sucks because this should be an indictment of this system. Derek Chauvin did not act as a lone wolf. He did not act as a bad apple. He acted as the system was designed for him to behave as if he is above the law. And we keep seeing it. And the one person that did go to jail for those hundred plus years, Daniel Holesclaw, because the victim survived. Right. But there's no justice for uh, Breonna Taylor. Uh Amber Geiger is going to be filing uh, some definitely is going to be on appeal, but both of them John was in his house, he, you know, watching television, minding his black, happy business, you know, um, and the black judge hugged him, but hugged, hugged, the hugged woman, her, came off the bench hugged and hugged this woman. Like this, this, uh, you tell that to Lieutenant Nazario who yeah. was enjoying his nice SUV, brand new dog in the back. Pulled over and he's like, I don't trust these cops. Let me go to a well-lit area. Thank God he did. We got that all on film. Turned on his camera and still got pepper sprayed. At close range. At close range. With his uniform on. Right. So, you know, yay. All three counts guilty. Anything less than that would be a problem. Let's just be clear about that. But this is not a solution. So. uh, No, this problem problem is by no means solved. Yeah, there, there, this is not a solution, and that goes to the point that even here, with the best possible outcome, with the best possible sentence, which is an LWAP, life without parole, if this goes as best as it could possibly go, there's no justice here. There's only accountability. Justice would be George Floyd alive, raising his kid. So, I, you know, I hate to be that skeptic or throw water on the scenario, but I just don't like people saying, yeah, we, we got justice. No, we, we really didn't. We saw the rare instance of accountability. But this mm. certainly is not justice. Yeah. Let me welcome and we, in. And we still uh, haven't seen the sentence yet. You know what I mean? We still got to wait eight weeks until the until the sentencing actually happens, right? And so, I I, I agree that uh, that this isn't that this that this problem has not been solved by any stretch of the imagination. I go back to the point, Karen, that it. I while I'm glad that this is the outcome, I'm still concerned that this is now the bar to which we have to meet <laughs> to get a conviction of uh, when when police kill you know, unarmed black folks, right, in this country. Like, if this is the bar that we have to hit, it's like, it's, it's, it goes back to when people uh, think that the litmus test for racism is the N-word. Right. There's a whole lot of racism that is enacted upon black folks verbally and and otherwise beyond being called the N word. That ain't the litmus test for racism. And this should not be this should not be the bar that you have to have nine minutes of video. Everybody has to be at home during a pandemic to see it play out on the news 15 times a day. At one point, I counted um, on watching cable news. It should not be that this is the bar that set that you have. 15 people who actually saw it, who are not law, who were not members of law enforcement, right? That's the part where I am 
that I am concerned yeah. um, about. That's a great point. And I've, I've kind of consistently tried to make the argument, you know, listen, when you get pulled over or, or when you have an encounter with a police officer as a black man, there is such a, and a black woman as well, there is such a broad range of outcomes. And there is such a broad range of undesirable and unacceptable and abuse-based outcomes from yeah. talking to us disrespectfully, from detaining us to an unreasonable amount of time so we can't get going with our day, from intimidation and all of that shit. There's such a broad range and death is at the far end of it, but all of it is fundamentally unacceptable. So you're absolutely right that in order to get a conviction for police abuses, if we have to meet a bar of a globally uh, recognized lynching video and 15 credible eyewitnesses, that's not really a victory. You 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 make an excellent point about level setting. Level uh, let's setting welcome also- in. Let's let's welcome in. Uh, she was here yesterday, and also I want to shout out Keith Ellison uh, because I believe the DA, the local DA, wasn't going to bring this case. This was his genius. I saw his fingerprints all over it because the strategy had to be what the strategy is. And I want to have make, make sure the experts are here to have these conversations, which is why I have Drew and, and Don Calloway. But Angie, uh, Professor Angie Porter has been on the, on the ground uh, in Minnesota this whole way. And every Monday has been joining us to talk about this trial. So let me welcome her in. Professor Angie Porter, Thank welcome. Thank you, Professor Hunter. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening a little bit. I think we can be happy today. I think we can let ourselves go and be happy today. Of course, we know there's a lot of work to do. All of us are thinking black brains. <laughs> we know what it is. We know what it is. But I, I encourage folks to take a second and just be happy because we've been waiting with bated breath about this particular case. It has come to a conclusion. Yes, there will be things that happen afterwards, but we can get there when we get there. It is incredibly important to have this conviction incredibly important and to have it on all three counts and so give give yourselves time to celebrate then let's get back to work tomorrow but yes. i just i encourage us for our for our mental health and for our collective victory here to to allow yourself to be happy for i thank you thank you for that because uh I, I I don't know if anybody else in this room but i had uh butter, butterflies and and little some heart palpitations as i was waiting for the judge to read it and you know, saying a little prayer uh, also because all three, for me, all three had to be guilty. All mm-hmm. three had to be guilty. And I knew coming in when, when Smith told me today that the verdict was going to be read today, I was like, we talked about this yesterday. That quick turnaround, I was like, I know that 61-year-old woman, black woman was like, okay, um, guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> Who doesn't agree? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah no, you need 91. to... Yeah, let's let's have a private uh, sidebar because I felt that that was what was going down. Absolutely. You you know, yesterday, Professor Hunter, I was not ready to predict anything. Um, But I talked to my friend, who's also an attorney here, and she reminded me, Okay, we had juror number 91. That's what you're talking about. The black woman in her 60s. We also had juror 52, who I from the beginning knew was not going. I knew. He was not going to acquit. So unless we had a hung jury, I knew there was going to be some conviction. But, in but it only takes like, one, though. It only takes one and six white it people. It only takes one for a hung, a hung jury. 
Well, it takes it only takes one for a non-conviction and six white people and you're, well, you know, six white people who let off the guy who killed Philando Castile. I didn't have a whole lot of faith in six Minnesota yeah, white Yeah, but, but one for a, for a hung jury. If you have nine people, if you have, I'm sorry, 11 people who want to convict, but one who doesn't, then you have a hung jury, a mistrial. You don't have a, a non-conviction. Well, that's again a mistrial is a non-conviction. Exactly. Well, yeah, okay. In the universe but, in which we saw what happened is my yeah. point. And that's, all due and, respect, though. All due respect, we knew because it was less than eleven hours, it was not going to be a hung jury. So that's that was my thinking. Right. You know, I've, I've been on I've been on both sides of the of the the the, the short deliberation and the long deliberate. I just I, I didn't have faith that six white folks in Minnesota was going to oh. be right. But so what we're saying, though, and this is a and I don't know if Drew believes this, but I believe that there's a there's a strength when we show up in spaces. Certainly. When we show up and when you told me it was a 61 year old black woman, I know what that energy is in a room. Absolutely. Okay, and and it supersedes race. So let me just say, you know, those six white jurors didn't have a chance. And then who's the who's the brother that juror number what? I call him the B fifty two stealth bomber. I knew from my dear, he was he was sliding up into that jury. I knew he wasn't going to go for an acquittal. Now listen, listen. I'd be I'd be curious to hear what happened back in there. (laughs) We we influence culture, fashion, music movies television and every space that we go and we show up i believe as our full selves the influence is so when you told me 61 year old black woman i was like okay yeah them six white jurors they can be racist if they want to they're gonna get gathered and it's gonna be one of them you know big mama energies that can is undefeated y'all all know and it's a look it's not a yeah. shoe being thrown. It's a, it's a look that will penetrate your soul, separate your bone from your marrow. You all have seen it before. You know what it feels like. And then you got 52 sliding up. Who was, I think when you were telling us uh, during the, you know, the question and answer period where they're eliminating jur- jurors and they both had on the table uh, preemptive strikes that they didn't even utilize. So, Every person on that jury was acceptable by both sides, right? Because they could have stricken any of them. But he was crafty in his answering. If I remember our conversation about him, he he wanted to be on this jury, which is a, a lesson to everybody. We could all get on a jury. Yep. All of us. Listen, Gotta Karen, do- I say it all the time. Black folks need to show up for jury duty. Having having been in a jury and don't don't do all of the tricks and things that people say to get out of jury duty. Um, We need black folks in those jury rooms and in those jury boxes. Having said, I've been on three uh, juries and I can tell you that it matters. It matters when we are sitting in those jury boxes. I'll give you the, the, you know, the perfect, perfect example of, I think that when we just even, um, language and not being and having black folks not be just not be trusted right like mm-hmm. i remember watching the the r kelly documentary and where they had one of those one of those white male jurors who said i didn't like the way the the victim i didn't i didn't trust her because of what she had on i didn't i couldn't understand everything she was saying or or all of these things right he didn't listen to the content of what she had to say 
He made all of his judgments about her character and her truth based on what he could hear in her accent and her clothes. That's why we have to be there so that when we see those folks, you know, I, I go even going back to the Trayvon Martin. Um, Young sister, to, yep, her accent. That, that Trayvon Martin trial. Yep. That's our little sister. We would have seen that young black woman and said, I know her, right? She might not be using the King's English. She doesn't want to be here. She might she might not sound the way, the way what somebody else may say a credible witness sounds. But the difference between her being heard and believed and the benefit of the doubt for us oftentimes hinges upon whether or not somebody looks like us is sitting in that jury box. That's 1000% true. And you cannot quantify that by statute or by forcing jury diversification and so on. You know what I mean? You can't quantify that, but we know it and we know what our presence there means. Absolutely, absolutely. And there were some racial dynamics that came up in this trial. I think now that we're at this juncture, it's fair to put all that on the table. And the court needs to reflect on itself because uh, yeah, tell. Juror, <laughs> jurors, they make those judgments as you just so elegantly outlined. Uh, so do judges. And I think I saw repeated instances in this trial where Judge Cahill um, monitored more, more stringently the black witnesses where he entertained objections to Jerry Blackwell, the black attorney, um, and where objections were drawn from counsel for the same conduct that the other white attorneys exhibited only against Jerry Blackwell. Those things need to be talked about. Let me, let me ask you, the, his commentary from the bench, which we played on these airwaves regarding Maxine Waters, who was taken out of context regarding this trial. I, I thought it was really weird that he would do that from the bench and name her by name and, and then call and say you have a case for a mistrial or for, for on appeal or something to that effect. You have a case for, for, for appeal. What was that? What was that, Professor Porter? It, it was the last in a litany of Judge Cahill littering the record with appeal fodder, to be honest. And I, I was struck by that as well, that he would call out Maxine Waters in specifically when this case has such global import that many public figures have been talking about it. And I thought he did a lot of railing that was just gratuitous. He could have generalized and said, yeah, I think public figures need to be careful about what they say. I mean, that is sort of the repeated theme that we saw come up during voir dire as well, but it just read so bad. It read so biased. And I don't even think he's aware of how that came across. And he needs to be held to account. He needs to examine himself because this is not the time or the climate for that sort of gratuitous dicta, we call it, on the record in a case like this. Who could check so, him? Yeah. Who, who's responsible for checking him? Uh, you know, there are judicial complaints that come through from regular old people like me and you. And so that's something worth looking into here. But I also think the court of public opinion, the media is equally, if not more powerful in addressing that sort of thing. So the more we make that a topic, the better. Um, legal practitioners should be doing that as well. Uh, so We'll have to think on that, but it definitely needs to be a subject of conversation. 
Angie Porter is here. You can follow her at Angie, A-N-G-I, Marissa, M-A-R-Y-S-S-A on the Twitters. Don Calloway is here, D-C-S-T-L for Don Calloway, St. Louis. He's repping that. And, of course, Drew Callo- uh, Drew Drew McCaskill, Morehouse-owned Drew McCaskill uh, is in the building, crisis manager. Uh, where do we go from here? So we have sentencing. We know that's going to happen. Um you know, 45 years, 20, I think they should run concurrently or consecutively. I think they should run one after the other. 10, 20, 45. Uh, Cahill is going to be delivering that, right? Um, So he's responsible for doling out the time. We don't trust him right now. I don't. Yeah. I mean, this is actually where the sentencing guidelines, as much as, you know, in some situations, we might despise them work in our favor because he, we at least know he can't downward depart (laughs) from the recommendation. However, Professor Hunter, you and I walked through this already. We know what the guidelines sentence is ostensibly Um, for second degree murder. It's 12 and a half years for third degree murder. Same for second degree manslaughter. It's four years. And wait, 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 where, where am I seeing 40 years for and 25 and 10. Where you're where are those that. numbers? I need to you're hear those numbers. The, you're seeing that in the law books, in the actual statute um, that pertains to these crimes. But that is the statutory maximum. And so how we get to the recommended sentence uh, right off the bat, it's a combination of the severity of the crime. And there's a table where you match that up with a defendant's criminal history score. Now, someone like Chauvin, I bet has a criminal history score of zero. Not sure, but I'm guessing he No, he had other, and they couldn't bring them in. Didn't he have other complaints? He had had other complaints from citizens, but that's definitely not a criminal history. Big difference. Yeah, so his complaints that were lodged at the department where he violated department protocol, that's not gonna necessarily be a crime. You know, so what is what you're saying, Professor Porter, (laughs) if I could take us back into the pessimistic place, the sunken place, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) What you're saying is that there's a very realistic chance that if you give them the max on the most severe charge and find no aggravating factors, the max on the most severe charge plus the max on the other charges all to run concurrently, we could see a 12 year sentence. Absolutely. Now, we know that the state has moved to submit aggravating factors. We know that they intend to do that. And so that's how you get hired in the recommendation. Don't know if Cahill will go for it. We're gonna have to watch and see. Uh, But a couple of the aggravating factors off the top of my head are the crime was committed in the presence of a child. We know that that was brought in at trial. We had a nine-year-old bystander. Also, if the crime was committed with particular, particular cruelty, that's another aggravating factor. And I think they might try to go for that. Um, so we'll see. We should watch sentencing. It ain't over. It ain't okay. over. Uh, it, with, with 12 on the most serious charge, and then I think you said four and three, or what were the others? Uh, 12, 12, 12 on both murder charges. Okay. 12 and a half. So, and so in theory, four. going back to Karen's uh, point about consecutive versus con- concurrent earlier this year, or excuse me, earlier this show, the max we could possibly get out of this is 28 years. 
Right, but I wanna I wanna temper it because the presumption is that sentences run concurrently. That's right. Right, not consecutive. Yeah, not consecutive. So, yeah. yeah. Even if you break from presumption and find aggregating factors, the most we're going to get is 28. It'll probably be significantly lower than that. Probably. So it will probably be 12. And that's at finding the most aggregating, uh, ah. excuse me, the most aggravating version of the worst charge and they run concurrently. It'll probably uh, be 12 years. Well, well, we start at 12 and a half. If they get their aggravating factors in, it goes up. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay, yeah. cool. So, so 12 and a half is the floor. 12 and a half is the floor. Okay. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what comes in. 12 and a half is the guideline sentence. So in order okay. to get below, he would have to look at mitigating factors. Yes. Now, I'm sure defense is going to bring in some mitigating factors. Uh, They're going to try to do that. And that's what you pay your defense attorney to do. So... Who knows where we'll end up, but we should all be watching it and talking about it. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.